Hello, everybody, and welcome to Right Care Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer. Hello, I'm Amanda Comer, the system director for Advanced Practice Providers. And today we are so excited to introduce to you all Dr. Joy, our new chief medical officer for the system. Dr. Joy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Jake and Amanda. This is uh, very exciting. Uh, and to be part of this and to share um, uh, this opportunity with you is fantastic. Well, we're really grateful that that you came on the podcast. And you know, for our audience out there, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, this is video, right? Because uh, I want to make sure everyone sees who I am. Well, uh, so we do record both the the audio <laughs> and video, but we have not started the the YouTube channel. We do get some requests, but uh, yeah. I've been told to have a yeah, I've been told to have a you know a face for radio, and so you know right now we're sticking to that. Yeah, you know, and my me too. So I'm I'm very glad we're doing this uh, via the audio format. Uh, so yeah, no, I, and and first of all, I am a fellow podcaster as well. So I'm going to put in a plug for my own uh, podcast that I used to do from my prior organization. It, it was called Getting to Know with Your CMO. So the timeliness of this is is wonderful, and I love what you all are doing because this is a great way to allow. Uh, members of your medical staff community to interact with other members. Uh, but so a little bit about me. Uh, I am coming most recently from Charlotte, North Carolina. I was uh, the chief medical officer at Atrium Health's uh, central division. So what that really entailed was uh, our Carolinas Medical Center, which is our flagship facility, as well as uh, Atrium Health Mercy, which is a more of a surgical specialty hospital, but really entailed uh, other types of services as well. And then also our behavioral health hospitals. We had two of them in the, the Charlotte metro area and and really also the campus of some of the clinics. So resident clinics as well as some of our private clinics. And so I was a chief medical officer there in that capacity most recently, as well as I was the facility executive or what we call here the CEO of Atrium Health Mercy. Uh, again, more of a surgical based hospital, 220 bed facility, sorry, 207 bed facility and really worked with a lot of our independent physicians as much as I did with our uh, with our employed physicians. So a great partnership and collaboration there. Great opportunities there to work in operations, but really from a CMO standpoint, also do a lot around quality. Um, and then uh, Atrium, uh, prior to that role, I was uh, the CMO of one of our um, tertiary hospitals called Atrium Health Pineville. It's a suburb of Charlotte and it was more of a community-based hospital where, again, great opportunity to work with both uh, independent providers as well as our employed physicians and a really fantastic partnership and really uh, cut my teeth there as a CMO. And prior to that, I was uh, an academic physician uh, with Atrium for about five to six years where I was part of the medical group. Uh, started off as division chief. Uh, I'm a an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist. So I joined Atrium as an MFM's uh, chief of MFM uh, and then uh, became uh, a leader within the medical group uh, as uh, the specialty medical director uh, for our OBGYN department there. So that's my background, at least as far as it goes to being at Atrium, you know, and, and you also got my specialty out of that too. Uh, and I love, I, I've had to sort of back off on some of the clinical work, but really, really just love the, the practice of medicine and the, the privilege we have as to being physicians. The the prior CMO was an OBGYN. It, it seems like that's a prereq here, you know, and, and Dr. DePriest is also, you know, OBGYN oncology. So 
We love our uh, gynecologists. Well, you know, uh, listen, uh, there there is a, something special about our OBGYNs, but but you know, listen, we we can't exist in medicine without the full continuum and the full gamut of our our specialties. And and I'm really excited to to kind of learn. I mean, I th- I feel like my CMO role really allowed me to learn about all the different specialties and how critically important we are to providing the full care for our patients. And so uh, the continuous learning uh, continues. That's wonderful. So can you tell us more about your journey from the bedside to physician leadership? Is there one thing that led you to a formal leadership position? You know, that's a great question, Amanda. And I think, um, I guess it goes back to after I finished my fellowship, uh, I, I went and joined the uh, faculty uh, with Wake Forest University. I was the, the, the quintessential following that academic uh, clinician route. Um, and while I was in that role, I naturally tended towards wanting to create a program at one of our competing facilities offering MFM services. So help build a uh, specialty service at one of our other hospitals by, you know, just going there and being on call and being available for consults. That kind of initiative, uh, you know, led to building great relationships in a community that really we didn't have relationships. Uh, And that helped the organization as much as it did the community, really collectively the community as a whole. That natural um, sort of curiosity uh, and then a willingness to go put the work effort into it uh, helped me um, actually led me to becoming more of a division chief at at another at my next position, which was in Karelian with Karelian Clinic in, in Roanoke, Virginia. And subsequent to that, uh, more leadership roles sort of came their way. And as the leadership roles came, you kind of had to balance that time as a clinician with what you could do, which is, you know, I look at it as, look, as a physician, you get to take care of and the privilege of taking care of a patient and their family uh, in delivering that care. So you are one-on-one with them. And as an OBGYN, again, I got two patients, right? I got mom and baby. And and if I had my multiples, I got multiple babies with 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 and got to take care of them. But as a uh, you know as a physician who got to educate residents and then also work in collaboration with a lot of my colleagues, we got to educate a lot of the OBGYN community. And then as a CMO, when I transitioned into that role, it was I got to work in the hospital setting and work with all of our physicians and see how we could help all aspects of patient care more than just uh, just the OBGYN realm. And then, you know, now at a system capacity, you really get to, you know, help influence and partner with some amazing uh, clinical leaders and really help the community as a whole and this region, you know, between Arkansas and West Tennessee and Mississippi, you know, we can really do some good by really helping support all of our clinicians. And really the leadership part of it just comes in your willingness to want to be of service. And by being of service, you find ways to help and really let the leaders of the community do their thing. You know, so so right now we're kind of in the midst of our, our third wave of the pandemic. Um, and it's offered, you know, many, many challenges to our physician community as well as to uh, physician leadership. Can you just give us a little bit of your experience and, and tell us what it's like to, uh, to be a physician leader in the midst of a pandemic? Oh, my goodness, uh, Jake. I mean, really, this has been so tiring. I mean, not only for the physician leaders, but really more so for our frontline staff who've had to live it. And uh, and I think trying to find ways to be supportive to 
all members of the healthcare team. And by that, I mean not just our clinicians. I'm really talking also when it comes to be a leader, you know, how do you support our, uh, you know, environmental services team? How do you uh, support our patient access team? Every one of the teammates that are part of our healthcare system are so important to the delivery of care that we are able to offer. And they're putting themselves on, on, the, on the front line and being at risk. And so I love the part when the communities, when a year and a half ago this started and every one of us was seen as a healthcare hero. And then we thought, hey, we can get through this. And then we had, you know, we had adrenaline driving us. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the support was all rah rah. Everyone was on it, all in. And then, you know, we got through and we had the second wave that came through and we were just like, oh my gosh, okay, now we just look at it as a marathon. Can we get through the marathon? And then we thought, okay, after we get through January, February, March, we're going to be good. And now we're getting bombarded with the third wave of sorts. Maybe some call it the fourth wave, whatever it is. It's just it's it's you know it's the riptide is there i'm feeling the riptide i don't really care about the the waves because this feels like i'm getting drawn under multiple times both as a leader and seeing how our, our clinicians are having to work through this the question becomes not you know not not just even finishing that marathon now it's more like why did you move the goalpost why did you move this into a marathon but a double marathon now i'm having to run even further and i didn't train for a marathon that's this is not I mean, this pandemic, you know, once in a, a century, right? You know, so none of us have trained for this. So the, the challenge right now is, you know, I, this is the same thing we were experiencing and still are experiencing in, in, in Charlotte metro area where I came from. And it's, it's probably felt throughout the country, right? How do we support our caregivers? Because we're out of adrenaline. We're, we're, we're out of, you know, sensing that this is a marathon. And even though we have more resources and tools in our toolkit, we're also just out of energy. So how do we how do we find a way to replenish the, and support our teammates to make sure that, you know, again, we came into this profession as clinicians and healthcare providers as a whole for uh, the altruistic reason of caring for our community and for the patients. How do we make sure that that's still at the forefront and provide the energy? That's the biggest challenge I think we're facing because, you know, an attaboy or, you know, hang in there, that only goes so far. And I think that's that's where I, we count on you as the, uh, the provider community to help give us input as to how can we help you, right? Because it's not a one size fit all approach because, you know, adrenaline wears out and those receptors are, are dry uh, and throwing the same thing at it again and again doesn't work. Um, you know, and so uh, I think the question becomes, we need creative ways to how we can help you. And we're here to try to help. And, and that's what I'm here to do, to try to help learn from you all, learn from you, Jake and Amanda and the rest of the, the Baptist team. And then we kind of go from there and figure out how do we implement things to help the team. That's a great analogy. How can we sustain as a team together? So in addition to the worldwide pandemic, what are other challenges you see for, for physicians in medicine today? I think we were talking about it, Amanda, in this piece. It's, it's sort of the resilience. Uh, it's sort of the, the you know, finding that energy, uh, finding, you know, that passion that brought us into the healthcare space to begin with, and making sure that we look at it as a, um, 
as as something that is tangible and reachable and 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 not this goalpost or this marathon line being moved continually in front of you. Uh, I think looking at it in the construct, I'm 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 a cup half full kind of guy. I am al always optimistic, and I think we can come to solutions uh, together. Um, so trying to figure out that uh, and making sure we fill the cup of our providers uh, so that we can continue to do this because we are going to have to be there for the next and the next and the next generation and uh, maybe not all three generations because then we'd be really really old but at least for the next generation um, and and we're going to have to build the leaders and the providers for the next generation as well and so how do we do that and so i think that's going to be the biggest challenge for us in the short term um you know first is take care of ourselves you know the whole adage you know provider or physician heal thyself heal thyself first and then take it to the next level so we can then train the next level and go from there yeah, certainly wellness and uh, physician burnout and resilience are, are topics we've talked about many times on this program over the last year. Um, and it's certainly something that it seems to only be getting worse in the midst of the pandemic and multiple causes of it, you know, loss of that sense of control and, and power to do anything, you know, in a lot of sense, you know, telemedicine and that loss of connectivity with others. And, you know, we've certainly seen that uh, play a role. You're, you're not necessarily seeing that patient in front of you as much. Um, everybody's kind of isolated and, you know, lost connections that they maybe previously sustained them in the past. Um, yeah, but I would, I would love to hear over, you know, over the next you know, couple of years as you're here, you know, what can we do to kind of rebuild wellness, I guess, uh, throughout our system? Yeah, no, I mean, wellness and, and specifically focusing on providers, uh, because again, they're, they, to me, they're the leaders of of the healthcare um, plane that we're trying to take care of, right? I mean, we're, we're the pilots when we're taking care of in the surgical realm or procedural realm or patient care realm. The healthcare provider is that the captain of the ship. So we 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 have a lot of responsibility, and we've got to make sure we empower those providers. And I think you just hit on a couple of other items, Jake. I mean, you know, think about you know as the CMIO, you know, EMRs were brought in to make life easier, right? And and, and think about all the tasks that were added in to kind of make it just that much harder. You know, it yeah. was a lot easier just writing things out on paper, but, but there was no standardization. Uh, virtual medicine allows us incredible access, but it also disconnects us in a large way, too. Though it serves a great purpose, how do we maximize those technologies that are part of our everyday life now to make sure that it's not burdensome, but also find a way to make sure that it becomes a tool in the toolbox? Because as human beings, we need human interaction. Uh, that is uh, what sustains us. And as healthcare providers, we need it even more so because the person on the other side typically is ill and needs special attention. So how do we find ways to provide the expertise, provide the access, provide a convenience for the for the both parties, the patient and the provider, to make sure that uh, it's done efficiently and effectively, but also brings in the joy of medicine. And I don't know, pun intended, because I can't see everybody, you know, kind of go from there. So I realize we've only given you one week to settle into your new role, but do you have any short-term or long-term goals that you would like to accomplish in this role? Yeah, short-term goal, get through my second week. Um, <laughs> um, and, and then the week after. I, I, I am incredibly, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm a cup half full, an optimistic uh, 
person. I think there's a lot of learning for me to do. I think there are lots of commonalities from where I'm coming, where I've just come from, to what I will probably see and learn, because I know that you all have done a fabulous job here, and, and Baptist as a organization is is well respected, and, and it's, an, you know, it's a privilege to be part of your group. Um, so for me, these short-term goals are continuing to meet uh, folks like yourselves, you know, as soon as uh, I can, I want to get out to the communities and go visit the facilities and and see the the teammates out there, um, and and learn. Really, I want to learn what's what's made Baptist Baptist, and then uh, let's also learn where the opportunities are, so that then we can prioritize together what uh, you know what we can strategically work to improve as well, uh, because we all have opportunity for improvement. I would definitely say, you know, when Amanda and I just started a couple of years ago with Baptist and, you know, the first six months we did spend a great deal of time traveling to all the various facilities and clinics. And that was one of the highlights, you know, just a little mini road trip of the system. So I envy you that you get to do that again. And we I definitely need to get back out there more. Each entity is unique in its own way. You know, it's they all shine, but in different ways. And, I'm, and that's what I want to go see, right? I mean, having worked at a community-based hospital, having set up shop at um, smaller facilities or bigger ones, you know, I love the uniqueness that each facility and their medical staff bring. But I think we can also recognize that we can learn from one another and take the best from each. And, and it's not like one area knows better than the other. But ultimately, we are there to deliver the best care we can, and I think we should learn from each other at the individual level as much as at the facility level. And I think that's what I hope to be able to go understand, and then hopefully, along with you guys and the rest of the medical staff, share it so that you know we don't look at it as silos. We, you know, one of the, the quotes that I love uh, from one of my um, uh, from one of my experiences was, you know, work work in the white space, that space between the silos. Right. And, you know, the, the reality is we, we get consumed in sort of working in it. This is how we do it at our facility. This is how we do it in this type of job, or the department or this unit or this this type of, you know, whatever you name it. But it's the, the success comes when we can actually get into that interstitial space, get into that intermediate area or the white space and really connect between because then it becomes one team and one larger unit rather than just yeah, I'm just doing my one neuron activity. No, I think that that's wonderful, and uh, we really appreciate you taking time today to uh, to meet with us. I know you got a very busy orientation schedule, um, and and Dr. Dupree says you you run it all over. But um, are there any other comments or, or closing remarks you want to give to the medical staff? No, uh, the only thing I would say is just thank you, Jake and Amanda, for putting this together for the medical staff. I think this is a great way to connect. I, I'm looking forward to to the time when our new normalcy allows us to go out and, and do just that, uh, going out to the facilities. Um, and I look forward to chatting with and meeting many of our medical staff that, uh, again, has added to what, made, what has made Baptist Baptist. Well, thank you so much, and, and thanks again for coming on, and, and thank you, everybody, for listening to Right Care Baptist. And remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem this for CME credit. Thank you.